This is Michael Moore, and this is Rumble. Our guest today is Congresswoman Jackie Speer of the 14th District of California, or as Stephen Colbert would say, the Fighting 14th, um, up there in the uh, San Francisco area. And she has been, since she got into Congress in uh, 2013, has been leading the charge to finally get the Equal Rights Amendment ratified. Uh, this is the Equal Rights Amendment that started back. Where she's going to give us a little of the history of this. And this is basically essentially to put women in the Constitution. The part about all men are created equal. I, I don't, we're not going to change, I think, that line. But basically, it's, it's uh, women obviously were left out, as were many people. And um, this has been an effort uh, to, to change that. Now, last February, Congresswoman Speer got the House to pass a resolution that would have removed this arbitrary timeline that got placed on. She'll explain that to ratify the ERA. And and then that came on the heels of getting, finally, you got to get 38 states to put an, an amendment into the Constitution. State 38, I think 37 was Nevada, 38 was Virginia. And then, boom, we had the number of states we need to have an Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution. But hold up, folks. There seems to be a party. I'm not going to say which one. There seems to be one of the two parties <laughs> that doesn't like this idea of women having uh, equal rights. So, of course, the Mitch McConnell Senate last year did not pass Representative Spears' resolution. And the day after Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were inaugurated, Congresswoman Spear, along with Republican Congressman Tom Reed of New York, reintroduced this bill in the House, while Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Democratic Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland have done so in the Senate. There's your bipartisanship, folks, right there. And it's so anyways, I have not given up on this. I have been an advocate. I marched in the streets when I was a teenager for this back in Michigan. We had a Republican governor. And and I remember the first lady, Helen Milliken of Michigan, Republicans. She became the the co-chair of the Michigan effort to get the ERA passed, and Michigan passed it back then. So this has been a Democratic and a Republican thing because, let's just be honest, folks, I mean, not that I, I do want to give Republicans credit when do, but I'm just in that kind of month where I'm not really in that generous of a spirit, but Republicans have, have, have supported this in the past, and they got the memo that the majority of the American public is female. If you're a politician, you might want to pay attention to that singular fact. Joining me now to discuss the history of the ERA and how we, you and I, the hundreds of thousands of you listening to me today, uh, can make 2021 the year that we finally make the ERA happen and put it in our Constitution. Please welcome Congresswoman Jackie Spear. Michael, how great to be with you. Thank you so much. It started back in 1923, 98 years into this campaign. It started with Alice Paul in 1923, right. introducing the ERA. It, it then was introduced in every Congress after that. And then in 1972, it passed both houses. And in short order, 35 states actually ratified it. It was a bipartisan bill. Richard Nixon Gerald Ford, right. Mrs. Ford, all yes. supporting it. And then Congress, uh, in the 1972 version, in the preamble, there was a deadline put into passing the amendment. 
some have argued, actually some of the uh, great constitutional scholars have argued that you can't put a deadline in it because there's nothing in the Constitution that gives you the authority to do that. But nonetheless, they put a deadline in. When 35 states had passed it and they still needed three more, they then extended the deadline for three years. So they passed another resolution to extend the deadline. What we have done in this resolution is just strike the deadline from the preamble um, with the argument being, one, you don't even have the authority to do that. And two, the fact that you put it in the preamble and then amended it certainly gives Congress the authority to strike it. Now, right. um, there is an amendment, the 27th Amendment, that took almost 200 years to get signed, uh, to be ratified. And it was called the Madison Amendment. And there was an effort uh, after uh, it passed to repeal it. And the Supreme Court, under the argument that it was too old. Um, right. And then the Congress passed the resolution to reconfirm that that right. amendment was going to be added. So let me get this straight. So the, if I know my... Um political science correctly here the 27th amendment is in the constitution that's right, right now okay it's the and, one that basically says go ahead yeah no, no explain what it is go ahead that one basically says you cannot increase the salary of a member of congress um in one year and and have it take effect you can pass it and then you have to stand yeah. for election before it can go into effect okay that's a good idea so yeah. it, it, <laughs> that passed but it was introduced when James Madison, right, That's was president of the United States, right. that was before my parents <laughs> and my before my grandparents. <laughs> this was 200 plus years ago. And right. yet that amendment is in the Constitution today, even though uh, it didn't have the tick tock of a clock uh, on it. Um, so so the argument seems to make common sense. But the most common sense seems to be that. I, I got to believe any poll that I've seen of the American public when they're asked about this, it's not a 50, 50. Uh, no, thing. Not it's not, it's, it's not 60, 40. This is like the, I, I believe if, and correct me again, if I'm wrong, the majority of Americans who identify as Republicans or independents or Democrats, the majority all support adding these few sentences to the United States constitution. Uh, that that give women, it's even it's just even to even say to give women the same rights as men. It sounds like a congresswoman. I think I might have heard on TV uh, <laughs> telling us that in fact nine eleven did happen. So uh, and then like wow, hey, hey, did you know that nine eleven happened? <laughs> this is this has been a rough month. I mean, it's got to have been rough for you. I don't, were you on Capitol Hill on January 6th? Were you I there? Was, I was in the gallery. I was. Oh, no. Were you there with my, my friend from Flint? Um, we've been friends since teenager. Yeah, Dan, Dan Kill Dan Kildee. Yes, we were in the gallery. You know, <sighs> I, can I just tell you this, Michael? It, yeah. I, I don't know if you know my history, but I was, you know, I do know. Yes, please. Uh, yeah, tell the Jonestown. Yeah. You were there at the Jonestown massacre because you were, you were supposed to be massacred. And, um, but, but please tell the story because I remember this so clearly you were an aide to the Congressman from San Francisco, Leo Ryan. And, um, if you know, younger people, if you don't know this guy named Jim Jones 
uh, cult leader um, convinced close to 900 people to move down to Guyana in South America. Uh, and they set up this cult camp. And so Congress, Congressman Ryan and an NBC news crew and Congressman Ryan, were you his chief of staff or you were legislative council? Okay. And so you go down there to see, cause these are mostly Bay area residents. They were young kids from his district who had gotten involved with the people's temple in San Francisco. Their parents had come to Congressman Ryan and said, something's wrong. Uh, now this was a, you know, it started at this, this church of, um, that was, you know, uh, biracial. Um, it was interested in, in, you know, making a utopia. That's why they were creating this, in, this camp in Guyana. But then their word had come out that he was uh, using physical abuse, uh, mental abuse, sexual abuse. He was taking social security checks from seniors. So there were, there were a lot of African-American older people that were part of the church, um, a lot of young white kids that got involved. And he used um, mind control and got them so um, locked into his world that they feared for themselves. So they go down to Guyana in part because they, there was criticism starting to build up in the Bay Area about him. He had lots of political connections. People like Willie Brown had you know, been with him, George Moscone, because he was able to get 2,000 of his congregation out to walk mm -hmm. precincts, for instance. Yeah. Um, so he goes down there. Uh, we, we get all these complaints. We're working with the State Department. State Department says, looks like everyone's really happy there. But Ryan was really someone who had to, he was like an experiential legislator. He wanted to go down and check it out for himself. So we did. And then people wanted to leave with us. And it was, you know, mm. like a, a stick of dynamite. It was, there was so much tension. So we had a group that we took to the airstrip. We were waiting for the second plane to arrive. And um, then this tractor trailer had followed behind us, unbeknownst to us, and started shooting. And they came and shot us at point blank range. Um, Congressman and, was shot. And you he was killed, right? He was killed. There were uh, a number of NBC, uh, the uh, the reporter and the cameraman that was killed. There was a, um, a photographer from a San Francisco newspaper was killed. There was one um, person who was uh, one of the uh, members of the temple that wanted to leave that was killed. Uh, most of the the temple members and, who yeah, and you were shot multiple shot multiple times. times. How many times? Five times. Five bullets in you. You did not die. I still carry two bullets, as a matter of fact. Um, oh, my God. So, oh, my God. Right. Um, so, oh, my God. So, so on January 6th, that you would have to go through this again. And I know now where you were, the gallery, to the people who don't know, that's the balcony in the house. And people went up there, mainly, I think, the beginning to for COVID reasons, just to have distancing. But you're trapped up there, and there's no stairway down from the balcony down to the house floor. So there's no way for you guys to get out of there. There's doors up there, but the, the mob had made their way up there. They're trying to get in the doors. They're pounding you and, the you door. and Dan and, and a number of others are laying flat on the floor, face to the face to the floor. And here you are having gone through this once before in your life. I'm just saying myself, I don't know how you survived the first shooting there in South America, but you must have thought on January 6th, that you got lucky once. You're not yeah. getting lucky again. So we're, we're, they tell us, get, get down on the on the floor. So I'm, I'm on the floor. I'm crouched there. All of a sudden, I hear a gun shot. 
Oh, right. And I thought, oh, my God. And I laid my cheek on that cold marble and thought, I, I don't believe this. I am going to die in this tabernacle of democracy in my own country when I survived being shot up in the jungles of Guyana. And then through um, circumstance, uh, a chance, uh, a miracle, whatever you want to call it, um, you don't die on January 6th again. Um, you have an angry mob who they've, they've got weapons, they've got a noose, uh, they've got zip ties, uh, and they had a plan, and they knew exactly where they were going. And i got to tell you, I've said this on my podcast, I've for 30 years, I have filmed at our United States Capitol. I have filmed in your office. Um, I literally cannot tell you how to get to Nancy Pelosi's office. I, no, you're who, absolutely right. Right? It is, it is it's a maze. Away. It's, it's, you know, almost obscure. You, you would yes. walk right past it if you didn't know where you were going. Right. So I hope whatever investigation is taking place, we will find out the truth of how this mob, this group of domestic terrorists, were able to find their way through um, the Capitol building, through at least one of the office buildings. I, this is just, it's, you know, um, just tell me that we're going to get to the truth of this and there will be repercussions because if this doesn't have consequences, if this behavior doesn't have consequences, we're doomed. And I'm telling you, sorry to say this to you, you then will continue to be in danger. And I, I watched my good friend from Detroit, Rashida Tlaib, crying on the house floor. I, I Anybody wants to watch this, I posted it. I'll post it on my podcast platform here. Um, this is this is one one tough woman, man. I've known her a long time. The oldest of, I think, 14 kids in a Palestinian-American family. And watching the, what I call the Sedition Caucus, that very night, give in to the terrorist demands. Two-thirds of them. Michael, two-thirds of the Republicans. Two-thirds. A- after this insurrection, after this, you know, absolute, you know, potential demise of a democracy voted to overturn the election in those two states. Right, right. And then, and then backed a woman who um, had a whole history, and I mean a recent history, I don't mean an old history, the way she tried to portray it. I'm talking about things that she posted this past week of, of, of these crazy, not just the crazy theories, but liking and supporting the idea of putting a bullet in Nancy Pelosi's head, taking care of the Clintons executing these people that she calls uh, traitors. And then they all, but 11 of them back it. And then when it came to impeaching Trump, all but 10, 10 Republicans voted to impeach. Two from Michigan. If this is not an impeachable offense, nothing is an impeachment. Okay. I'm sorry we got off on this, but I'm just, you know, the whole country is in a rage about this. And, and we want to wrap our arms around you and everybody there. This is our house. This is our Capitol building. We will not go through four years and, and letting Biden and Harris have to put up with this nonsense. Um, you know, everybody needs to be strong and have courage. And um, they, they were offered the kumbaya moment a number of times in this last week or two. And they chose 
to forego it. So they've made their stand. And, and now my plea to you and everybody else there, the Democrats and the few Republicans with a conscience, please, please stand strong. Um, this is a precarious moment for our country right now. You know this. I don't need to tell you this. You have my um, word. So back to the minor problem that women are not mentioned in the United States Constitution. So I mean, that's I'm that's laughing that's because the insanity of this. And, and, and I have also pointed out on my podcast before that when FDR and Truman were planning the end of World War II, and they went in, and Truman and his people, but they're all FDR people, and wrote a new constitution for the new Germany, the new Italy, and the new Japan. And they all contained some version of women are equal to. We did that for them in 1945 and 46. The fact that we still don't have this is just makes no it's sense. An embarrassment. There are 193 it's, countries in the UN. 165 of them have this specifically in their constitution in the United right. States. Right. My favorite line, I've got to share this with you. My yes. favorite line yes. is from um, the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, who said, in response to a question, certainly the constitution does not require discrimination based on sex. The only question is, does it prohibit it? It does not. Right. It does not. So, okay. So you've given us the history of it. And it's, is it true what I said? The last two states we needed, Nevada and Virginia? It was Nevada. It was Nevada, Illinois, and Virginia in that order. Nevada, Illinois. God, Illinois had, did not pass it back then. Not wow. Yet. So the last three states came in. You need 38 states, check. Um, you need the House and the Senate to pass it at the beginning, check. That happened. Um, I don't know. Did the president have to sign it or not? No, I don't no. think that's that's not part of it. So, so, um, so what? Okay, so we should be able to get this passed in the Senate, right? Your resolution now. Uh, well, it's it's bipartisan in the Senate, like it's bipartisan in the House. Yeah. You know, we'll have to pick up another eight senators. We have Murkowski and uh, and Collins, and I think you know there's probably three or four more that we will be able to pick up. But there's another you know there's another pathway, which is uh, 38 states have passed it. The uh, archivist has a ministerial function of certifying it and publishing it. Now he has not done so because. Uh, last year, he... This is the National Archives you're talking about. Yes, this is the, the, the archivist. The archivist. He right. requested a an opinion from the Office of Legal um, Counsel within the Department of Justice as to whether or not he could. And they wrote a cockamamie opinion that has been um, laughed at by most constitutional uh, scholars. This is the Trump and, Department of Justice wrote this. Right. So they, mm -hmm. they provided... Uh, an opinion that says, no, um, ERA is gone, it's finished. So there's another pathway, which is um, the president can um, rescind that opinion. He can notify the archivist that uh, he should the current The current president, Joe Biden, can rescind yes. it. Oh. So that's an option as well. 
Oh, that seems easier. <laughs> sorry. We'll I'm sorry. I refuse to wait another year for this to be passed and put in the, and it's already passed. It should be put into the constitution. So the rules are the archivists, national archives, uh, once all the states have voted, and now we've got the 38, then, then he writes up some piece of paper and then that goes, that puts it officially into the constitution. Correct. So, so our president essentially could instruct him to do that or rescind um, what happened under, under Trump. Correct. So those are other options available to us. Which way is it going to go? What, which way are you pulling for? I mean, well, I mean, we would all love to just have it be certified and published. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. But, you know, short of that, you know, facts are facts. We have 38 states now. Um, and yeah. One way or the other, we there there is no you can't put a deadline on equality, and there should be no deadline in right. terms of this resolution. Uh, right. So, you know, and the, the world has changed so dramatically too. When you realize that half of the families with children in this country have women as heads of households now. Right. That's right. And that. 62% of pregnant women or new moms are in the workforce. This is a different world. So when you have pregnancy discrimination that continues to this very day, right. that's a problem. Right. And it makes the case for why we need the ERA. Once you've right. got the ERA, you, you don't have that um, those hoops you have to jump through um, in order to establish the discrimination. Trying to pass law after law after law just so that women can be equal, just so women can be paid the same as men, just so that women, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, my nieces were asking me uh, the other night, um, how come it didn't pass? Like, what was the argument on the Republican side? I said, well, again, it wasn't just that. It was the back then there were some Southern Democrats that were uh, uh, opposed to it. But I said, the, the argument that I remember, honestly, uh, their big thing, it was the same thing that happened in North Carolina a few years ago with the bathroom issue. It was, they, they kept, they kept telling Phyllis Schlafly and, and these, the, the, the people fighting this kept telling the American public that men were going to invade women's restrooms. Right. Am I right on that? Is my memory correct? Oh, it, was, it, was, that, yeah, it was, it was, it was about LGBT and it was about abortion. We, we, have, yes. we have abortion. We have we had abortion um, for you know decades. This isn't going to you know have any impact on that. Right. LGBTQ community is now enshrined in a Supreme Court decision from last year. Yep. Uh, and one earlier than that, as it relates to uh, marriage equality. Right. And uh, we have unisex bathrooms now, anyway. So you know right. they're done that right, and and the and the sky hasn't fallen. <laughs> But women are still um, treated differently than men. Oh, yeah. And they warned us that women um, were going to be placed into combat uh, if they're in the if they're in the right. army, which would now we've resolved yeah. that. And women are in combat um, and, and seeking to be in combat. Yeah. So all their arguments from back then are have vaporized. What what? What would be the argument? Who's going to take it? Let's let's assume we're going to get this in the Constitution this year. Um, who's going to take that to the Supreme Court? And what argument, other than the tick-tock of the clock, 
which you can cite a number of amendments to the Constitution that didn't have a clock. And, and you know, the, uh, you know this, like you said, there's no clock on equality. Imagine if Lincoln had done that with slavery. Well, I'm, you know, we're going to, we're going to get the 13th and the 14th and the 15th amendments passed, but, uh, you know, we're going to put a clock on it. And if the, if we don't beat the clock, then we still have slavery. Who think nobody would think like that. And it's, but what is going to be the fight so we can get ready when they try to stop you? Uh, the fight will be over abortion. And the fight will be, uh, you know, they will hide, I think, behind this idea that uh, the deadline was taken out after the states passed the amendment. And what do you think their chances are of of winning with that? You know, I don't know. But I I will say. So you're worried then. I would say that um, Antonin Scalia's statement should have a lot of credibility with our very conservative mm. justices. Because right. if the argument is, oh, women are taken care of by the 14th Amendment, um, by the Civil Rights Act. I mean, the, the truth is, women weren't contemplated in the 14th Amendment. And an originalist would know that. And a relig- an originalist would recognize that unless you have it in the Constitution, it's not there. Right. This kind of doesn't make sense. But (laughs) I mean, if you don't have the 52 words that say you can't discriminate based on sex, if it's not there in the Constitution, then, as he pointed out, it's not prohibited. Right. Right. I okay. so as I said, you know, there's a few hundred thousand people that are going to be listening to this. What can we tell them? Because right now they're thinking, okay, Mike, Congresswoman, (laughs) I'm on board. What can I do as a citizen? I had no idea that this thing just, you know, somehow fell apart years ago when I wasn't even born yet. Um, what can I do to help? What can I do to pitch in? Who am I calling? Um, where is my voice needed for it to be heard? Um, call your senators. Call your senators. senators. And, and make right. the case that seven, I think over 70% of the population already thinks it's in the Constitution. Yes. I, yes. That's what my niece has said. Wait, what? I said, no, I know. I'm sorry. We tried to, we oldsters, we tried to get this, get this yeah. right. But we, this we should be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only referring to myself, of course. <laughs> um, but okay. So yes, yeah, 70% of the American public think it's, thinks it's already in there. So call your senators and say what? And say, um, support this resolution. That- and what about, what about dropping a line to the White House? And dropping a line to the White House and to the vice president. She talked about it in her campaign. She said that's one of the ways that we can make sure that women um, are protected moving forward. And these cases happen over and over again. And until it happens to you, you think that everything's okay. Until it's not. Until it's not. Um, Okay. So for those of you listening, the uh, number to the U.S. Senate is 202 224 Three one two one. I'll have the number on my podcast page here and a link where you can call them. And if you don't know who your senators are, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's okay. Um, the operator <laughs> will. Yes, you should know these things. But the kind operators on the Capitol Hill switchboard will just ask you which state uh, you're from, 
and say Pennsylvania, and then they'll say, which senator do you want first? And you say, give me the Republican <laughs> first, because he, I think he voted for impeachment. Am I right? Yes. yes. Uh, Toomey. So, uh, and then, then come back to the switchboard and go to the other one. That's how you do it. There's a human being that will answer, and there and there's somebody in your senator's office who will answer. And if they're busy, there'll be a machine. Leave a message. And for the White House, um, they're, they're transitioning their number. You can uh, see if it's working today, 202-456-1111, or go on whitehouse.gov. Uh, and um, you can actually leave. There's a thing there. You can just write to the president and tr- Congresswoman, explain to people, you guys keep track. Oh, of these calls. I, I get a, a listing at the end of every day. Uh, every day. Called my office. Mm-hmm. And, I'm and why they called. And why they, oh yeah, specifically what they called. Sometimes I have three or four paragraphs. Wow. Uh, particularly when, when they want to, you know, um, suggest that I um, should have died in Jonestown. <laughs> which, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Um, so no, so it, it does make a difference. Um, they, they keep track of, of who writes to them, what emails they get, how many emails on each topic. It all makes a difference. Huge. Right. Yeah. So don't think that you don't matter. Don't say to yourself, oh, I got these two horrible Republicans as senators. They want to all get reelected. If they have a sense that there's this groundswell and it's about the majority gender, the 51, 52% of the population that are women and girls they are going to listen to you on this one. Do not do not be defeated by this. Um, and I just think I can't believe this has been going on since I was in in um, high school. And as you now have told us, it's been going on since three years after women got the right to vote. Right. That's this exactly fight. Right. So, folks, let's us be the ones to win the fight for all the women and all the people that came before us and men. You know, we benefit from this. It benefits all of us. We're a better society if we if we acknowledge this equality. And um, you know, who's not with me right now? I, I'm sorry, I only have a microphone, so I can't hear you. But uh, you know, any final words on this, uh, Congresswoman? Any any uh, other thoughts or other or if they're if they're, they've got that conservative, you know, sister-in-law. Um, you know, and they just, they don't know what to say. What is that? What is that thing that you have found that when you explain this to people, they go, eh, you're right. Well, you know, I, when you have so many women in the workforce now, they're, yeah. the, they're the breadwinners. Yeah. And if you're not making um, what they deserve, it impacts their life for right. the rest of their lives. I right. mean, women end up receiving close to a million dollars less in terms of retirement based wow. on the fact that they're only making 82 cents for every dollar earned by a man. And for black women, it's 62 cents. And for Hispanic women, it's 54 cents. So, I mean, it's real. It's, it's truly real. So, um, you know, it's, it's really quite simple. We just, we deserve to be equal and the constitution doesn't provide that kind of protection right now. Yeah. And how sad that you even have to say those words. We deserve to be equal. Can we just put that women are equal mm-hmm. and, and they deserve the protection of our United States 
constitution. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not being facetious about these things that I had to listen to from the Congresswoman from uh, Georgia, but it has rattled my brain seriously. And, and the, the, with the gun in front of Rashida and Ilhan and uh, Congresswoman Presley. Um, I, you know, I guess I, I want to just leave this with you we personally. Can't normalize that is what, what you're yes. saying. Yes. Yes. Normalize that. And that's no. what the Republicans were attempting to do is to normalize that. And um, we'll all live in fear if that becomes normal. Well, that'll be the end of getting anything done. And maybe the, the, it could be, you know, democracy, as I've been saying, it's a, it's um there's no guarantee of it. Right. And well, most, um, most democracies have failed. Most democracies. We've been very lucky to last this long and, and we've lasted by, you know, in, in some God awful ways, the genocide of our native people that at the beginning building the country on the backs of slaves um, uh, not letting women vote. I mean, just go down. And yet, and yet somewhere, somebody up there somewhere has let us continue. Yeah. Sometimes by the skin of our teeth. And um, I don't want this to, I don't want this to fail on our watch. Yours, mine, everybody listening to this. Right. Um, we owe it. We, we owe it to our, our children and their children. Absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, what's the point, folks? That's right. Come on. You know, it's, um, you know, my grandmother was a suffragette. Yes, she really. <laughs> yes. Just outside of Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. back. And I'm talking about early, like, like early 1900s, late 1800s. Um, and to her, it was just common sense. And it didn't seem fair. It just didn't seem fair. Do you know? And, you know what they endured, though. They oh, they, they were jailed. Yeah, uh, they were um, abu- sexually abused. One had their yes. had a scissors put through her eyes. I mean, just to get the right to vote. I think I often think that she was lucky uh, because you know Michigan were right on the border of a sometimes slightly more enlightened country. Um, but she married a Canadian. <laughs> and so she had a supportive husband uh, for this, but that, but boy, that was way back. That was in a time where actually they, uh, he was a Protestant. She was Catholic and the local clan burned a cross on their lawn because in that town, no Protestant was to ever marry a Catholic. And um, so, yes, I do know from the stories I was told, of 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 what they had to and what women had to endure and the ridicule and the scorn and um the marriages that broke up um the women that could never get married because no man would get anywhere near that how sad I share two quotes with you um yes. one with george bernard shaw who yes. said if women get the rights to vote there'll be a crushing tax on bachelors <laughs> What's the other one? Was from the Seneca Falls Review. And this um, editor wrote and said, if women get the right to vote, they will become thin-lipped, fat-handed, and flat-chested. Those three things all sound like heaven to me. But but that's just me. 
um, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, thank you so much for this fight. And, um, um, thank you. Uh, we're going to do this this year. Thank that's, you. That's my commitment. And I know uh, people listening to this right now are, are signed on and ready to do so you and the others, the coalition, you know, let's, I'm not going to, this isn't just one podcast. I'm going to stay on this until it is written in there in our United States constitution. So, um, thank you for inspiring me and, uh, um, I'm going to hope for the best here. Thank you. Great to be with you, Michael. As thank always. you. Thank you so much. Congresswoman Jackie Spear from Northern California and to everybody listening, uh, let's do what she's asked us to do. Contact your senators, uh, and contact uh, Joe Biden, and, uh, Kamala Harris. We can make this happen. I really believe this is one we can win. Thank you very much, Congresswoman. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.